the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome into another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. Your host, Brandon Kravitz, here, joined by the Sultan of Salary, the face that runs the place, Mike Janetti. Mike, a happy holiday season to you. You are now done embarrassing your children wearing um, video game <laughs> costumes. So does that mean that the holiday decor is up on the mantle? Or have we started that process yet? Uh, the tree is up. The outside lights are up. Oh. We are full-fledged ready for the holidays here. So it's, uh, yeah, the neighborhood's pretty pissed off about it. I'm not going <laughs> to <laughs> There's There's always one. Yeah, Sounds like right. you're one of the one. We yeah. are as well. Um <laughs> the the tree is the one that I wait on though that 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 feels like the post Thanksgiving you got to hold something back you know yeah I used to and then you know I work from home now so it's just like well you know I need a break from this let's go do that so it's uh, it's been earlier every year so deal with it <laughs> well hey the, uh, the the one p.m. slate uh, for those on the East Coast this past week in the NFL that's right definitely made it to where it was a lot easier to get some chores done around the house. Not very good. And the how about the primetime slate this weekend? Or you have on Thursday, Sunday night, and Monday night. They're not hitting on any of these. No, it's it's the lull, right? I, I wonder if they do this on purpose because they know half the league's going to be injured around week nine, week ten, right? And they just want to protect themselves from, uh, I mean, even worse situation. But yeah, you just got to grind through November, and once Thanksgiving hits, it'll ramp back up. Okay, so we thought it would be a good idea now that we're nine full weeks through the NFL season to hand out some midseason awards. So I've got a few to throw your way. They are very um, spot track superlative driven. (laughs) So we will start with value. The best value free agent contract through nine weeks in the season. You can give me offense and defense here. What are you thinking? Yeah, I'm going to combine these two. Uh, it's from the same team, and it's from a team you know very well, the Miami Dolphins. Um, you know, value is not going to be 90 million here. So when we're talking about free agent signings that happened last March, there's some nickel or dime players that are just standing out. I wonder if you can guess. You you watch this team religiously, I believe, right? Can you guess? Let's start with the defensive player. It's a name I cannot stop hearing when I watch the Dolphins, and he's on is a one-year deal. Is it Siler? No, he just signed a nice extension, so he would qualify yeah, for the extension yeah. conversation. But free agency-wise, right. it's Andrew Van Ginkle, Brandon. Oh, my God, yeah. This guy's name cannot stop being said on a broadcast. He is not even a starter. I mean, he has started some games, but he's basically Bradley Chubb's backup on the Sam linebacker role right now. He's making less than than $3 million on a one-year deal after, a obviously, a really nice fifth-year rookie contract, fifth-round rookie contract. Do you know he's the eighth rated edge defender according to Pro Football Focus right now? Crazy. He's he's just a he's a he's a stack compiler and he's one of those guys that can hold his own. He feels like he's gonna be one of those guys that's making eight, nine million a year, maybe for the next four to five seasons, you know, in that sweet spot of just enough to make him happy, not enough to really damage your salary cap on any given season. But just seems like this guy has figured it out, and maybe it's this scheme specifically, but uh, can't stop hearing his name. And for less than three million, it's a heck of a value. He's one of those guys. This is going to sound like such terrible analysis, but I, I don't play Madden as much as I used to. But last year, um, I, I I played with the Dolphins, and and he just kept popping up. So from a video game <laughs> perspective, I'm in on Van Ginkle. Uh, absolutely, no. He's been he's been tremendous, and and he's got the hair to go with it, which just makes it that much better. Uh, Full blown personality. 
Uh, in terms of on the uh, offensive side, is there yeah. somebody that stands out to you? Yeah, it's Mostert. It's Raheem Mostert. Um, I, I did not wow, see so the this Dolphins with the clean sweep yeah. here. Yeah, maybe the best offseason of the of the entire league right now. Uh, kind of feels Texas Rangersy, doesn't it? A little bit that the last two seasons they've just absolutely ramped up at the at the trade deadlines and free agency, basically however possible. Uh, you know, Mostert might not even be the most important running back on this roster. I, I I think what a chain did for the first three four weeks was really out there, and and yet, right, this guy's going to catch forty passes. He's going to have twelve hundred yards rushing if he stays healthy, and he's making. Two point eight million this year on a basically a one year guarantee. They can bring him back at two seven next year, which is incredible value. He's thirty one years old. This whole story is unbelievable from a running back perspective. He's going to have, you know, top ten running rushing numbers in really a running back by committee situation, and he's standing out like a sore thumb right now. So yeah. it's the kind of it's the kind of thing where you you brought him over from San Francisco with the coach. He knows exactly what his role is. He is comfortable. And as needed, he's be, he is just doing his thing at 31 years old. So last year, he he played 16 games for the Miami Dolphins, which is unheard of for Raheem Mostert. Scored three total touchdowns. He did end up finishing with 891 yards um, in terms of his rushing total. This year, he already has 10 touchdowns. So he's already has seven more scores than he had last season. He has been... Uh, absolutely tremendous. And this is what you were looking for from Miami. When Mike McDaniel came in, run game coordinator, you assumed that that was going to get fixed right away. Last year, they were kind of a mess and they're dealing with a lot of the same pieces and and have just gotten a lot better. I, I don't know exactly what to attribute that to, but Mostert looks as good as I've ever seen him. And this is a guy that had some pretty bright days in San Francisco. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, he's on. He's basically like an $8 million running back right now. He's the second rated running back in pro football focus, if you believe in any of those numbers. But that's incredible for the age and, and the, the firepower that that offense has for him to be standing out like this. So this is one where I, I don't think that we often give this sort of thing enough credit. We always look for the values, hmm. but big bang for big buck on offense. And, and, and we'll give out one on defense as well. But um yeah, you went out and paid for it, but you're also getting that sort of production. So who do you see well, standing out from that regard? You you, te- you set that up nicely. And however, I, I, like the first 15 offensive free agent contracts, I had to throw out because they're garbage. Okay, <laughs> right. I mean, Derek Carr is not making this list. Garoppolo is not making this list. Right. And the list goes down from there. I had to get all the way down to Adam Thielen, man. At three years, yeah, 25 million. Um, and I know, I know this is kind of like a Jarvis Landry situation where his stats are basically, you know, falsified. There's no substance to what he's doing in Carolina in this awful offense because they're constantly behind. They're constantly throwing the ball. But this guy's going to catch 120 passes. <laughs> I mean, he's going to have eight touchdowns. You know, he's not a, a true number one wide receiver, even though that's what he's being asked to do right now. It's sort of a good soldier. And, uh, you know, he's basically guaranteed through next year. I wanted to highlight him here, A, because he is having a hell of a year on a bad team. But B, I can't believe this guy didn't get traded. I cannot believe Carolina didn't sell high in this guy. And it's not even an admission that they screwed up. It's just, hey, this didn't go like we thought. Bryce Young is not a star out of the gate. We have so many other holes to fill. We don't have a first-round pick. Let's get something back for maybe our best offensive player right now. I I think it's a swing and a miss. They can obviously trade him in March. There's two more years of term left. But um, it seems like they could have sold really high on him at that Halloween deadline. 
I was uh, actually uh, just before we hit record, uh, you know, trying to pull off some fantasy trades in some leagues that I'm in. It's that time of year. And I'm looking at Adam Thielen as a guy that's on my roster. He's a top 10 fantasy wide receiver yeah. this year. Yeah. Who yeah, would ever would have pegged that? Yeah, the stats are there. I mean, look, he had a couple years like this in Minnesota. It's just at his age in this on this offense, you didn't see it coming. All right, defensively. Yeah. It's Jesse Bates. Four years, $64 million. He's the new safety for the Falcons coming over from Cincinnati, who definitely miss him at times. Uh, he's the second, right, second highest rated safety in, P- in PFF. He's been that for quite a while now, except for last season when he, he sort of left the, the, the Bengals on a sour note. Fully guaranteed through next season. It just If you've watched this Falcons team, you know exactly what's happening. Their defense has gotten slightly better. He's the reason for it. And the offense is just an absolute shell of itself. So uh, they've hit some pieces correctly. I think they're going to have to change a lot on the offensive side of the coaching side of the ball to actually make this thing work. But this was as an as advertised big time free agent signing. Yeah, I I was really impressed with what I saw from the Falcons early on. I thought they were one of the surprise teams out of the gates. We've seen it fall apart. I don't know what Arthur Smith is thinking week to week. I think he could be one of those candidates when we think about coaches that might end up getting fired next. And we saw Josh McDaniels already get the ax. Uh, Arthur Smith for me would be one of those sleeper candidates of a guy no. that might might not make it just because they have no talent. Question. They have talent and the, and they're not producing on the field. Yeah, there's no question about it. He's a uh, his decision making with the Kyle Pitts and the and the Bijan Robinsons of the world has not aligned with what that offense should be. And I know you know it cuz that's those are big fantasy storylines right oh, now. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the other side of the equation, the guys that um that usually pop up in a conversation like this, the flops in free agency. Uh, I think I would I would venture to guess that this this list or this award was easier to come up with offensively, defensively, the free agent flop that we've seen in the NFL. Offense, easy defense. Not I, I had to actually work on the defensive one. We'll get there in a second. I already mentioned his name. It's Garoppolo. Uh, you knew this one was going to be weird when he had a physical. <laughs> he had a passive physical to actually lock in his guarantees. That's not a great way to start your tenure with your new team. Six starts later, he's on the bench. He's on the bench because of a 78 passer rating. He's on the bench because, I don't know, the new coach doesn't want him to be the quarterback. But really, he's on the bench because there's an $11.25 million injury guarantee on next season, and they are going to release him next March. They're, this is going to be a one-and-done scenario. They're going to pay him $11.25 million to walk out the door in March. That's going to be the roster bonus that's fully guaranteed right now. So it's ugly. It's Mark Davis being Mark Davis. He's spending $90 million on former coaches. He's going to spend, you know, fifty million on on former quarterbacks here, and they're basically going back to square one unless this Aiden O'Connell kid is a guy. But I don't know. It seems like that's exactly what it is—just a guy. Yeah, and not only do you waste the money on Garoppolo and you waste everybody's time, I think the the guy you have on offense that you would like to keep happiest, you've mm-hmm. also frustrated in the process because Devonte Adams went from playing with his college buddy Derek Carr to playing with a washed up Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, it's it, Do you credit him dropping off to being in a Josh McDaniels offense and him just not being on the same page as his players? Is it a credit to Kyle Shanahan for mm-hmm. always seemingly getting the best out of these mediocre quarterbacks? Or maybe injuries have just taken a toll. Jimmy Garoppolo does not look as sharp. He wasn't, he wasn't a bad quarterback previously. He looks bad when I see him out there now. So... 
What do you yeah. attribute that to? Yeah, too much wear and tear is probably the easiest answer because I do think if this guy has time, he can he can be accurate for the most part. I, certainly, he makes his his poor decisions and his poor throws, but. I don't know. He's just a slightly above average quarterback that has is aged a little bit and has certainly taken on too many injuries to, I, I think, be able to stand in there and do his job. I'm not going to blame McDaniel. I, I don't know anything about Josh McDaniels except for the fact that he is not a head coach. Right? Like he can't he can't do this. So if that's part of it, fine. But this just seems bigger than that. This seems like the Raiders just making a hell of another bad decision. I mean, how many do we have to get to before? something actually drastically changes. I don't know, but this is another one on the list for sure. Okay, let's move to um, the worthy extensions that we have seen. Now, now you can take this either way that you that you want to uh, mm-hmm. uh, answer this question, but if we're talking about guys that, that have already extended that we feel like it's paying off or players that, that could be where... Um, they're definitely worthy of it. So how do right. you want to take that if we're talking worthy extensions offensively and defensively? Okay, so worthy extensions is going to be already signed the contract and feel like they are slamming it already. We've got a category coming up where it's uh, it's guys who probably just played themselves nine weeks into a new extension. So I'm staying with one team on this one too, Brandon. It's Baltimore, maybe the best team in all of football. Yep. It's, Lamar's the offensive player, uh, you know, and a legitimate MVP candidate on the best team in football. I don't know what else you have to say. I mean, he did everything right. I, we thought he was killing himself with this negotiation process. He did everything right. The salary caps are massive, right? There's nothing team friendly about this. So Baltimore is going to have to flex their muscles a little bit from a restructure standpoint over the next couple of seasons to keep this thing alive. But the contract's huge. He is holding up to it immediately. And outside of injury, I don't see that changing. And defensively, I, I can't believe I have an inside linebacker here, but Roquan Smith is exactly the same conversation. You know, Baltimore never signs these players. And not only did they sign this player, they gave up draft capital to acquire him first. It's almost exactly a year from the, uh, the, the when they uh, the, when they acquired him from Chicago. They signed into $100 million. It's basically fully guaranteed for the next two seasons. And all they did now this past offseason is lock in their offensive leader and their defensive leader for the next three seasons. It's it's brilliant stuff. It's 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 worthy of of them being where they are in the standings because I think these are the kind of decisions you have to make to make everything else around the organization tick, and that's why they're here. When you look at the Ravens and the way that they're constructed, it, it doesn't feel like they like a lot of teams that are that are really good with the cap mm-hmm. uh, and that are that are well built. They start with a certain part of the t- a certain portion of the team. The Ravens feel like they. They sort of spread it all out. Do, do I have that gauged properly where they they don't hyper focus on one portion of the team? They're really good at making sure that every position is well covered. It, it is, um, but they did do it the right way, right? Like Ronnie Stanley and, and those kind of players, they were taken care of first. It's one of the reasons Lamar didn't get his contract until he did is they had other priorities in place and they knew they had Lamar basically all the way through this franchise tag process. So they did cover their bases early with that. They did spend, I think it was 2021 all on their secondary, right? Like Humphreys, uh, you know, Marcus Peters, Kyle Hamilton. They they basically threw every single offseason asset at their secondary. So 
you're not going to blame them for that. I mean, that almost always works out unless you're the Denver Broncos. And and then they kind of filled in the blanks these last couple of months with with some of their more important pieces. But it's all worked. It's it, They are hitting all the right notes at the right time. And I'd be putting a lot of money on this team going forward. Yeah. And they went cheap at running back, which is uh, yep. always exactly. seems to be a formula of success, even though these guys... Um, you know, they're paying the price for it. Uh, let's talk about the other end of the uh, equation now. Cringeworthy extensions. Who got the bag that was already on roster that, uh, you know, these teams mm. probably wish they could have. I'm going to let you guess on the uh, offensive quarterback that I picked here. It should be pretty easy for you. The you asked me. You asked me if he's ever going to play for this team ever again on Tuesday. Oh, oh, God. Yeah, no, obviously it's Daniel Jones. It's, it's Daniel Jones. Yes, it's Sometimes Daniel Jones. You, you know, you start, you, you get, you ask me that question and I'm like, let me run through every team in the league. And, you know, yeah, Daniel Jones. I mean, that is just yeah. as bad as it gets. He was bad. His coach was bad. And now he's got a torn ACL. He's fully guaranteed next year at 35-5. There's an $11 million injury guarantee in 2025 thereafter, excuse me. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, you asked me if he plays. There's a world where they draft a quarterback and he plays 2024 if he's healthy because 11 million as an injury guarantee really isn't that much, right? It, 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 for a lot of these teams, we're seeing the Raiders going to do this. The Rams are going to do this. The Bills might do this with Vaughn Miller in, in a year and a half. It, it just It's kind of one of those paydays that you just deal with and go on with your life. But there's also a world where he's the highest paid backup quarterback next year for all of 2024. And everybody just has to live with it. So I, it's just one of those situations that everybody screamed was going to happen. And then it actually happened. And it was the way that he tore his ACL. I know that it's not his fault. The guy's just stepping back in the pocket, but that just doesn't happen to the best of the best. It just yeah. doesn't, you know, yeah. the, we don't, you don't see, uh, you don't, I mean, cross your fingers because nobody wants to see this. You don't see Mahomes or Burrow drop back for a pass and crumble. That only happens yeah. to the Giants and, and, um, and Daniel Jones. <laughs> yeah, absolutely terrible. So, um, what about on the defensive side in terms of cringeworthy extensions? Yeah, this one's a little hot take ish. Uh, and it's more about the team than the player. I picked Rashawn Gary, which is like a, that this extension is like an hour old. It's four years, 96 million in Green Bay. I love this player. I think the price is perfect. I think everything about this contract makes a heck of a lot of sense, except for the team that signed the contract, which I don't know where Green Bay is headed here. You know, they got a Jordan Love problem, in my opinion. They're both their running backs are going to be off this roster next year. Their left tackle is going to be off this roster next year. I think a, a lot of like the inside linebackers are going to be off this roster next year, and they may trade Jair Alexander. So why would you keep a $100 million edge rusher if that's basically the only piece of your puzzle, they could have franchise tagged him, maybe taken some trade offers on that franchise tag and seen what kind of value was out there. And there would be value, by the way. And then if there's nothing there, then you sign this extension. So to me, it's the timing of this contract from the team's perspective. I just don't know that you had to do this right now. It feels kind of like John Wall in Washington. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like You didn't have to pay him when you paid him and you were an absolute dumpster fire when you did it. Did you think that paying him the contract was going to make everybody else around him better? That's just not, I don't see that happening in Green Bay. So yeah. I don't by the like time the you timing. Turned it, by yeah. the time you turn it around, it's going to be a bad contract. Yeah. Um, you, I think the reason why is pretty simple. The Packers thought they were going to be better than they are. Yeah. I don't think that their team that, that was, I, I don't think that they were living in reality. 
and maybe they thought that they could be better. Yeah, they, they aren't used to this. NFC. They don't know how to do this. Exactly. They don't know how to be bad. <laughs> yeah, yes. <they're>, <laughs> they looked at their roster and they're like, hey, we got talent. You know, if, if yeah. Jordan Love pops early and then they started two and one. And so um, yeah. they probably felt like some of that was confirmed early, but they have definitely slipped. They, they have dealt with a lot of injuries, too. So I'll give them that. But it, it's just overall not a very good football team. The fact that the Vikings are still better than them is sort of embarrassing. Um, what about teeing up a payday? Let's talk about players on offense and defense that are setting themselves up for um, a big-time payday. Yeah, this is nice. Um, what Jared Goff is doing right now in Detroit is super fun, even though he is not a sexy quarterback, right? He's never going to be the guy. It's probably why I'm punting on him so quickly. He's just yeah. never going to be like the actual face of a franchise, which is perfect in Detroit. Nobody wants a prima donna on the Detroit Lions. It's just not how they operate. Their coach and his gritty, gritty style and his gritty personality is always going to carry the day right now. So if you were surprised with what the Rams had to pay Jared Goff, right? 110 million guaranteed three years ago, you should, you're going to want to close your eyes for March. Because what this guy is is playing himself into is gonna be minimum forty five million a year, minimum one twenty five to one fifty guaranteed at signing. It's just where the nature of the second tier quarterback contract is right now. So, um, you know, and by the way, that's right now. If they, you know, are the three seed in the NFC and he he makes some kind of impact in the playoffs, this is a fifty million dollar player because that's just what it takes to keep a quarterback of his, of his earth right now. And he's only twenty nine. He's not 34 like Kirk Cousins, even though you can kind of link these two players together right now in terms of needing a contract. So he's doing everything right. He's doing everything that's being asked of him and maybe then some. So the contract's going to have to catch up here. Wow. Eventually. The uh, uh, that it's a career that looked like it was going to go in a different sort of direction. He's been he's had one of the more roller coaster careers that we've seen really high highs and really low lows a team moving off of him after drafting him number one overall and the Rams gave him an extension back in 2019. So he's already had not only the deal that you get from being the first overall pick, he got the second contract. And now you're saying that he's well on his way to getting his third. Yeah, I don't he, think that we would have thought that, that would have been the case about four years ago. He, he got the, the number one contract. He got the Super Bowl quarterback contract, right? right? And now he's getting the resurrecting a terrible franchise back into the postseason contract. Right. The it's thank just going to be so much bag. It's going to be so big. That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, what about on the defensive side as far as teeing up a payday for themselves? Yeah, there's a player who becomes extension eligible in about, I don't know, six to eight weeks here now for the first time. And his name is Micah Parsons. Maybe you've heard of him. Here, yeah, here's what's going to happen. All right. Here's what's going to happen. Not only is he arguably the best defensive player in football, I think he is still, um, but he plays for Dallas, the most marketable team in all sports. And and when he becomes eligible for the first time in January, he's going to be 24 years old. I don't know if you can have a better resume. I mean, Nick Bosa is making $34 million a year with 122 guaranteed from a practical standpoint. He's going to obliterate those numbers. I mean, there's yeah. going to be a defensive contract like we can never imagine, and he's worth every single penny of it. So are we talking about um, how would this relate to Aaron Donald? Because Aaron Donald sort of broke the mm -hmm. he broke the standard for a high paid defensive tackle. Are you are you saying he's going to blow past Donald and sort of set his own mark when it comes to edge rushers? If I'm Micah Parsons, I'm throwing out the numbers I just gave to you, right? The Nick Bosa numbers, because San Francisco absolutely demands that you build in three years of fluff on their contracts, right? Trent Williams, everybody has the fluff that you and I talk about quite a bit. Yeah. 
I I go to Jerry Jones, who loves fluff, by the way. He Ezekiel Elliott's right, six year ninety million was fluffy as hell. Dak doesn't have it. Why? Because he stuck to his guns. He went franchise tag to franchise tag. He didn't take the the fluffy contract that Jones offered him for three seasons. If I'm Micah Parsons, I am taking a fully guaranteed contract as a defensive player, the first Ooh. in the history of that of that position group. And I'm I, I don't know how you can say no. What what has he done to say that he doesn't deserve that right now? Absolutely. And he might end up adding a defensive player of the year uh, award to his trophy case as well. What about the other end of it? We're talking about players on on both sides of the ball where uh, the divorce rate in this country is somewhere around 50 percent. So, I mean, I guess this, this is sort of par for the course, even in football. Where is divorce imminent when we're talking about offense and defense in the NFL? I'll be brief because these players aren't super sexy, but the offensive player is one that I, I brought a little bit different element to. I, I, I'm bringing in Ryan Tannehill, who has an expiring contract. So how can he have a divorce if he's just going to walk into free agency next year? I'm talking right now. Yeah. The second that he's healthy with his ankle injury, I want Tennessee to release him and pay out the rest of his $27 million salary and allow him to go and latch on with a team like Minnesota, maybe, who needs somebody right now just to maybe shore up their next eight or nine weeks. I think he deserves it. Uh, he resurrected his career. He really held up Mike Vrabel's Tennessee team, probably saved Mike Vrabel's job for two consecutive seasons here. And, and I'm not saying he was great, but he was good enough. Um, and he should be able to walk away into a situation because he's never going to play for Tennessee again. They're going to run with Will Levis and they're going to make Malik Willis the backup quarterback now indefinitely. And that's just fine. So let's just let's have this divorce happen right now and, and give Tannehill a shot to go elsewhere for the next eight weeks. And, and defensively, Brandon, it's a. Uh, it's J.C. Jackson, who's already been divorced, right? The Chargers Oof, already yeah. traded him. He's the guy that's onto his fifth wife at this point. <laughs> Not only did they trade him out of L.A., the, the GM got in front of a microphone and said, yeah, that was maybe our biggest free agent mistake ever. Nobody says that. Oof. Nobody nobody who's still in the job gets in front of the microphone and says, yeah, we missed out on that one, even though it was glaringly obvious that they missed out on that one. Um, so that's how bad things went there on five years, 82 and a half million. New England's probably going to make him work a little bit better than the Chargers did because they're they're just better coached defensively, but they're still going to walk away. There's f- over 42 million left over three seasons. None of it's guaranteed. There's a March 15th roster bonus, so I think this divorce is going to happen around March 13th. So I'll, I'll also, I want to go back to the Tannehill thing real quick. The um, the Titans did announce that. Will Levis is going to be the starter, mm. the permanent starter moving forward for the remainder of the season. So the Tannehill era is over, and I think you're 100% right. The, the right thing to do um, for him and probably even for Will Levis is to just that's right. Cut the cord there and and, and move on. Um, let's move on to uh, what about this one? Let's talk about the GM side of things. Uh, Mike Elias of the Baltimore Orioles, my O's, won the executive of the year. You and I talked about that on my show. Not 100% sure if uh, it was uh, it was warranted. I mean, he's at the towards the top of the list. Don't know if he's at the tippy top. But if we're talking about mid-seasons, uh, mid-season awards in the NFL, who's managed the cap the best? Mm. Uh, who are you most impressed with in terms of what they've done to this point, the talent that they have and the prices that they're paying for it? It's a softball answer, but it's it's the Eagles. Um, yeah. I'm doing some some really super nerdy stuff right now internally here, where I'm I'm looking at quarterback cap hits and the percentages and all that stuff because 
you can change it every year, right? I mean, you can sign a contract and restructure a cap hit to make it work for you on every on a given year. But that's the whole point. That, that's exactly what teams have to do every single year, even during the season, just to keep themselves afloat and keep themselves competitive to ramp up for whatever injuries that happen and whatever, you, you, you know, poor plays or mistakes you make throughout a year. The Eagles are ridiculously deep. They continue to flex their muscles. They continue to move players in and out. They've been doing this for a long time. And Jalen Hurts is carrying a $9 million cap hit right now. Okay. If I'm doing value between quarterback cap hits versus winning percentage halfway through this season, they are, if it's a scatter plot, they are way up here in the top left corner as the best value. And it's not even close. Nobody's even close to where the Eagles are right now in terms of how they're managing their quarterback cap hits, all of them, not just Hurts versus what they're doing on the field. Rashad Penny played this week for the first time all season. He hasn't even been offered an opportunity to play. You know what I mean? And he may make a four or five week fantasy run that makes us all pissed off at our rosters because that's what Howie Roseman does to us. Yes. Right? Devontae Smith was a nobody until he had to be a somebody in week seven. This is what he has done. He has drafted, signed, and acquired via trade players that he knows he can have can become interchangeable superstars on any given basis. And he deserves every award right now. Yeah, and he's got the best draft strategy around, which is take players who Georgia. played at Georgia. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, let's let's wrap with our quick hits on uh, this Thursday episode. Now that the Cardinals, the aforementioned Kyler Murray, they're playing him this weekend. Does this mean that they are out of the tanking business? I th- I think they've done enough. I don't think you have to tank for seventeen weeks in the NFL to actually do the job. So I think they've done enough to warrant themselves a top pick. I don't think they're taking a quarterback. I think Kyler Murray is going to be the quarterback of this team. I don't know. The contract says four years. Should we say at least two more years? And then maybe they can move off this thing and either buy him out or find a, find a trade partner at that point. Maybe. But he's going to get a chance to, to come back fully healthy and take over this team. And that's really what the next nine weeks are about. It's not, it's not about you know losing enough games to get ourselves the proper pick they're going to be in in play to get the best non-quarterback available in my opinion so let's just ramp up Kyler Murray and this roster see if Marquise Brown is actually somebody we should pay to keep around you know and a couple of defensive players are are showcasing themselves as well but this is a terrible roster and they're going to lose plenty more games whether Kyler Murray's the quarterback or not well if they end up with the top pick i don't know if i could agree with that i think that they might end up I don't know that they're going to be able to look at a rookie contract, Caleb Williams or Drake May, and say that that's not the best option for okay, this team. Okay, but Ken, let's have this conversation, even if we go a little okay, longer. That's fine. Yeah. The the Browns got, got in this conversation, right? Now, Baker wasn't paid yet, all right? And that was the problem. But if they get the number one pick, and they'll know it early, it's one of those scenarios where free agency comes way before the draft, right? They They have a lot of time here to maneuver properly. And so many teams have gone backwards on this. Go and find the trade partner. The problem is this. The second they know they have the number one, number two pick, Kyler Murray's trade value absolutely plummets because now everybody knows what Arizona right. can do with those picks. I still think right, a Falcons or a team like that would want Kyler Murray. So it's not inconceivable that they can move on from Murray and then draft Drake May or whatever it's going to be at number two. It's possible. So I'm not ruling it out. I just think they're probably sitting number three or number four in the draft Keeping Kyler's easier, even though this regime probably doesn't want to, 
and they can just start to bolster their roster elsewhere. And by the way, trading out of number three or number four is probably the right move too. So I'm not even saying they should draft the pick they get because they have so many damn holes to fill in this roster. Well, and you can get a haul. If you end up in the top three this year, you're going to be able to get a ton for it. Not a slam dunk, but this uh, they're going to have they're going to have a really tough decision to make. But that's where you go back to what this next nine weeks is really about. If Kyler Murray looks like a star, then, yeah, why not just roll with the guy that you already have and then mop up in terms of um, trade value for the pick? What about the uh, switch to the baseball world for a moment? The winter of Otani is upon us. I know that you have mentioned many times the Dodgers are in the driver's seat. Could you give me an idea of a a quick ranking of the next three in Mm. terms of the sweepstakes? Because there's there's more than one that they'll be involved for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, Boston's in. um, The Angels are still in, even though I can't even imagine at this point in time. I'll give you two teams uh, outside of the Dodgers. Let's say Dodgers one. I'm going to put the Mariners two. I think the Mariners know where they can be. And and maybe this guy in their lineup around Julio Rodriguez and a couple of other those young players is exactly what the doctor ordered. Uh, they'd have to go absolutely monstrous in the pay. And the problem with that is my number three team is the Mets. <laughs> and if we're talking about a bidding war, I, I don't think anybody's going to outbid Steve Cohen. Even still, even after the debacle that was 2023 with that payroll, if you're talking about bringing in this player who can market the hell out of your roster, I, I just don't think anybody's going to outbid him. So if Otani wants to go to the Dodgers, and I don't understand why he wouldn't, they're going to win this battle. If it gets to the point where he is literally listening to everybody, I think the Mets outbid everybody. But Seattle may be too good of a matchup if their price is right for Otani and for the money. It seems like, and I'm certainly not speaking as if I I know Otani personally, but it seems like he wants to be out on the West Coast. That makes... Um, that yeah, that that makes um, a Mets, a Yankees seem uh, increasingly less likely. What about another alien that's out there in the uh, sports landscape? We're only <laughs> seven games in to Victor Wembanyama's career. Is it too early for an extension? Yes, it's illegal. It's for three. He's got to play three full seasons, and then they can talk extension. Obviously, it's going well. Um, we are recording this on Wednesday. And Victor Wembanyama makes his Madison Square Garden debut tonight. I cannot believe I am this excited for a regular season NBA game in November, but I am. I'm going to watch it from wall to wall. Uh, He is as advertised through seven games, and that's pretty damn cool because, man, these prospects are hit and miss usually. Yeah, he is. uh, He is something to watch. And not having any NBA last night definitely made me hungry for it tonight. So I guess good on the NBA to not only give the league off for Election Day, but to uh, create a little bit of thirst for Mm -hmm. their product in the regular season. That does it for us here for today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast. If you like the content that you hear on this channel, follow, rate, review, subscribe. It goes a, w- a long way, and we certainly appreciate it. SpotTrack.com for all the latest in the sports and, and transactional world. For Mike Gennetti, I'm Brandon Kravitz. Till next time. <laughs>